0: We often fail to grasp the magnitude and depth of the changes required to address climate change in an adequate manner. Everything about how the global economy works from the minute of daily life to the operations of global economic, governance and strategies of global businesses will be disrupted by the green transformation. The green transition requires significant resources, investments as well as cultural change at an unprecedented scale. At the same time, time is short. Failing to make the needed transition fast enough can result in consequences which are still difficult to imagine. This task is made no less daunting by the fact that adequate climate policy is a complex and uncertain task requiring large capacities of coordination and planning. One of the dominant ways societies and states today are seeking to reduce this uncertainty is by assembling expertise in expert institutions. States are to a more frequent degree establishing new climate commissions agencies, task forces, expert councils, and partnerships to strengthen and legitimize their response to the climate crisis. These institutions are entrusted with the task of providing the sound ideas and solutions that can reduce greenhouse gas emissions in the name of impartial expertise. But just as we are seeing states form new climate expert bodies, these bodies and the forms of expertise they hold have at the same time become a stark arena of contestation. We see social movements that decry the appointment of fossil fuel interests to climate expert bodies. We see governments second guess to the advice of their appointed climate researchers. And we see firms compete to have their competences regarding the green transition recognized by state actors. We are thus finding ourselves in a situation where expertise is becoming an important resource for the state to carry out the green transition but where conflicts over what should constitute appropriate climate expertise are growing. The question of how societies have and are currently organizing expertise to plan and carry out the green transition is at the core of postdoc Søren Lund-Fransen's research. Based at the Department of Organization at Copenhagen Business School, Søren investigates questions related to how states and other societal actors organize, produce and shape the expertise necessary for the green transition. In his recently published PhD dissertation, he studied transformations in how the Danish state has assembled expertise for climate policy since the 1980s. In his current research, he is studying how private foundations are changing, how expert institutions such as the university are carrying out research on sustainability and climate change. I have invited Søren Fransen to join me for this episode of the CBS Sustain podcast, to help us better understand the role that experts and expertise play in the current landscape of climate politics. So, and welcome to this episode. Could you tell us a little bit about why it is that experts and expertise matter for the green transition?
1: Thank you for having me. So I think there's at least three different reasons for why expertise is central to the green transition. So first of all, I think it's important that we understand and acknowledge that our awareness of the climate crisis, the fact that we are experiencing a climate which is changing, and its connection to the emission of greenhouse gases is entirely dependent on what you can call an infrastructure of expertise. If we didn't have large-scale systems of weather stations, computer simulations of climatic variations over a hundred year time frame, and various climate scientists to disseminate that information to us, we simply would not know that we are currently experiencing climate change. In this sense, our knowledge of climate change is dependent on expertise. The second reason is that experts are not only engaged in making models that make climate change visible to us, they also engage in framing the root causes of the crisis. So you can ask, why are we emitting so much carbon? Why do we keep polluting despite the existential risks of the problem? And in these kinds of debates, actors who we recognize as experts often step forward with an explanation. Here, a mainstream economic expert would say that this is due to inadequate pricing. It would fail to put a price on the true cost of carbon, which is why we should implement a carbon tax. If you have a more technologically focused engineer, he would say that it is because we have failed to construct efficient technologies, which allow us to remove carbon from the atmosphere, whereas a political economist would say that it is because of powerful incumbents in the fossil fuel industry, which aggressively lobby against climate policy. So wherever you listen to, it becomes clear that experts are engaged in shaping our understanding of why we keep emitting greenhouse gases, and how they choose to frame those root causes ultimately shape how governments act on the climate. So The third reason is that actors recognized as experts are on a regular basis appointed by governments to public advisory bodies, whether they are charged with the central task of providing ideas and solutions for governments on how to handle a crisis, and sometimes not always, these ideas are actually implemented as the recent carbon tax in Denmark. This means that the opinions of experts occasionally have political effects, which puts them in a potential position of power. So when you look across these three reasons, it becomes clear that experts and expertise is highly influential for the green transition, both in terms of how we understand it and how we come to act upon it.
0: It's interesting that you frame the role of expertise as so central to the green transition, as we often hear from climate researchers, activists, and ordinary citizens, that politicians and heads of government are not listening enough to the experts, that there is in fact a lack of expertise in climate politics. What does your research say about this?
1: So it's a frequently voiced concern by many actors engaged in the fight for more just and ambitious climate policy that governments do not listen sufficiently to the experts that we have numerous reports from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change and other leading groups of climate experts who warn us that we are running out of time, that we must act now, and that we have all the tools we need to curb CO2 emissions, we just need to implement them. And that these governments fail to take these voices seriously. So why not wholly support those kinds of criticism? I think it's crucial that we also f- approach the question of climate expertise from a different angle as well. And based on my research, I think there are at least two ways that we should think about this. On the one hand, you have what can be called the knowledge deficit model. Here, expertise is framed as something which can be more or less present in climate policy. And when activists voice the concern that governments do not listen sufficiently to the IPCC or other kinds of expert groups, they are saying that there is an expertise deficit in climate policy. So this is a dominant and widespread way to think about expertise. Here we start from the assumption that we know who the experts are, the IPCC, and then we need to understand why it is that governments do not listen to them sufficiently. So, on the other hand, you have what can be called a sociological model. Here expertise is seen as something that is already and always present in climate politics. It's just not the kinds of expertise which activists and NGOs regard as important for solving the issue, but politicians might. So, what I mean here is that it is rather you find a politician who says that they do not listen to the experts. The difference is that climate expertise, and particularly in the implementation phase of climate policy, is simply something that actors disagree about. They don't always see eye to eye on who we should envision as climate experts. And once you start to approach the debate from this perspective, it becomes clearer that climate expertise is not something settled once and for all, but involves a struggle. While social movements may prefer some groups of actors as experts, politicians might think otherwise. This, of course, raises the question. Why are some actors regarded as climate experts and not others? What forms of knowledge is seen as legitimate and relevant for the green transition? Why them and not others? And I think these are questions that I think we should be asking a lot more than we currently
0: are. If we follow the line of argument that actors differ when it comes to who they consider climate experts, who then are the actors appointed by governments as climate experts?
1: What I did in my PhD dissertation was to approach this question in a systematic manner. I spent months searching through archives to map out the membership of mostly all climate advisory bodies established by different Danish governments starting in 1980 and also now. I analyzed the kinds of individuals appointed to these bodies, their educational backgrounds, their gender, the organisations they were associated with, and their career trajectories. You can see that I conducted a historical mapping of all politically appointed climate experts in Denmark from 1980 to 2021. And what I found was some quite large differences over time in terms of the kinds of individuals appointed to these expert bodies and the forms of expertise regarded as relevant for climate policy. So if you go back to the 1980s, you find that early renewable energy activists, often associated with the green and anti-nuclear social movements of the 1970s, were quite prevalent inside the state. These actors consisted mostly of natural scientists, physicists, and biologists, as well as engineers, but also individuals without an academic degree. It was sort of the grassroots movement of climate expertise in Denmark, you can say. If you then look back to the 1990s, you find that this alliance became increasingly challenged by a new group of individuals, economists, who sought to have their own knowledge recognized as relevant expertise for climate policy by different heads of state. And since the turn of the century, there's been, what you can say, at least two main tendencies in terms of who is acknowledged by Danish governments as climate experts. The first is the predominance of economic experts among politically appointed climate experts. Since the early 2000s, experts with a background in economics have been the dominant group. So if you look to the Danish Council on Climate Change, the majority of its members are economists. The second trend is that a new group of experts has emerged in the recent decade, which are gaining influence quite quickly at the moment. These are CEOs high-level individuals from large Danish business firms such as Ørsted, Danfoss, Grundfos or Maersk. These experts seek to push the idea that Denmark should not undertake the green transition only by implementing a carbon tax, but also by promoting and supporting Danish industries and experts. As such, they prefer a less ambitious carbon tax. So when you look across time, it tells us two things. The first thing is that climate expertise is something that is socially and politically malleable. And two, that the actors making claims to climate expert authority has increased and become more heterogeneous in recent decades.
0: If we turn our gaze forward, how can we design better expert institutions for the future of the green transition?
1: This is, of course, one of the most important questions that we should be discussing. And I think it's fair to say that this issue is not the one receiving the most attention at the moment. So I'm sadly unable to provide any silver bullet, but I'll point to a couple of things that should at least inform our discussions about climate expertise in the future. The first point is that we need to better acknowledge that while Experts enjoy great appeal because they appear as politically neutral actors who provide depoliticized solutions. They are not. Expertise does not stand outside of politics, but is an integral part of politics. The second point is that I think we need to open up space for discussions about whether the expert institutions we currently have are the ones we actually want. So right now, we find ourselves in a period of slight experimentation, you can say. for instance we've seen the establishment of citizen assemblies in the last decade. But these are often left isolated. Here we need to find solutions for how we can make sure that politicians are obliged to take alternative viewpoints into account. The third point is that we need to discuss how to improve the institutions we already have. Maybe we need less politically appointed expert bodies. the recent transformation of the Danish Council on Climate Change is a step in the right direction, where members now control the appointment of new members to the council rather than the minister, as they used to. At the time, we also need to enhance the maneuvering room, you can say, for the experts once they are appointed, in terms of more loose terms of references. These discussions are necessary for improving the expert institutions and the forms of expertise necessary for the Green Transition. Because if there's one thing that is certain... It is that the question of expertise will continue to be a vital part of discussions around sustainability in the future.
0: States around the world are already experiencing the drastic consequences brought on by a changing climate. As the window of opportunity to limit global heating to 1.5 degrees is quickly diminishing, it is only probable that states will establish more expert institutions to guide the green transition. How these institutions are configured, the powers bestowed upon them and the individuals appointed to lead them will be defined by political coalitions, path dependencies, elites and the transformative capacity of civil society at large. The trajectories which these experts will shape will affect not only the size and distribution of public resources, the future and potential demise of certain industries and cultural practices international cooperation and conflict, but also belief in democratic politics and markets. It is thus safe to say that we should be thinking a little bit more about who the experts are and why we should consider them experts in the first place. What we cannot, however, is to put our hopes in expertise to solve political disputes. Rather, we should start to approach more as something that is always integral rather than external to politics. My name is Marianne Kellman and I've been your host on this podcast episode on organizing for sustainable transition.